0: It's really hard to like want to buy one of these tokens when like you could just stake ETH and earn like 7% borrow against Mm it and then use it to buy like whatever you want.
1: This episode of Empire is brought to you by Thales Markets, an options platform on Arbitrum and optimism that gets you exposure to crypto in the simplest way possible. They've made it as easy as simply choosing up or down. You'll hear more about Thales later in the show. This episode is brought to you by Carbon. Carbon is a new DEX on Ethereum that makes concentrated liquidity super easy. With Carbon, LPs can now automate your liquidity strategy with custom on-chain limit and range orders, all from a beautiful UI. Check out Carbon today for unprecedented control over your liquidity. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of uh, Empire. Today, we have a, an interesting guest, I'd say. Uh, so Santi and I have been following this account, Icebergy. Uh, for for many years, and um, we were interested to bring him on. as uh, an anonymous account, anonymous person, um, but we want to spend a little bit of time just hearing the backstory of a uh, of Bergie, uh, who is a, a self proclaimed dev angel investor focused on crypto. Created the crypto whale bot, so uh, Bergie, lot to talk about, my friend. How you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. This is my first podcast appearance, so uh,
1: please be patient with me if uh, <laughs> you know. Santi and I have yeah. been doing this for two years. We're still learning, my friend. It's all good. Yeah.
2: You know, one of the things that I always find interesting uh, through COVID, you know, you end up meeting so many people in the space that you actually never meet in real life. And I don't know if we're, we've met in real life, we've crossed paths, but maybe one never knows. But, you know, if you were to ask me, like, how to describe Icebergy, the account, the way you tweet and how I'm hearing your voice, there's a huge disconnect in my brain right now. So I would just love to understand, like, Just tell us your story. Like, how did you get started in crypto? Like, anything that you can disclose about who you are, like what you pay attention to? We'd love to just kind of start there.
0: Yeah. So, um, I guess like I didn't really buy Bitcoin in like the first bubble of like 2013. But one of my really good friends was like always telling me, buy it, buy it. And like that was at like $300 before it ran up to like a thousand bucks. And I don't know. It was just so confusing. I was in like college trying to buy like like Litecoin and download this wallet. And I just like was like, this is, this is crazy. I'm not going to do this and kept in touch with them over the years. And then, um, in like 2016, started getting back involved and, um, I just was like buying Bitcoin to like gamble on sports, I guess, because that was like kind of the only thing going on then. And just kind of like lost all my coins, like gambling on sports, which obviously I should not have done. And that kind of like gave me a good lesson for like the future of like, don't just like blow these coins on stupid stuff. And then really got involved in like 2017 with like the ICO mania and that whole hype psycho cycle was like really it was, there were a lot of like sketchy projects and stuff, but you could kind of see like where the excitement and everything was headed. And so from then just got like really interested in like Ethereum and that whole ecosystem. And then I like uh, survived the bear market. I built that whale bot on Telegram and just used it as a way to like stick it through the bear market, learn some new skills and like just like survive. And that was kind of the hardest part just making it through there. And kinda just after surviving <laughs> you just like meet all these interesting people and network through Twitter. I never really wanted to be like a trader or like um like an influencer I guess. And then it just kinda like just went with the flow. And then DeFi Summer happened and it just kind of went from there. Mostly just focused like since then like on chain stuff. Mm -hmm. and like new projects and i don't know it's just been crazy since like DeFi summer
2: how do you look at on-chain activity and how do you kind of piece together some of these narratives uh and perhaps maybe just tell us like what are some of the narratives that you're paying attention to now what are the narratives that you think are most overhyped what are the narratives that i think are developing maybe people are not paying enough attention to but will be big over time
0: um the on-chain stuff's always very interesting because, like, a lot of the on-chain like threaders like put out information that's old, or like <laughs> this whale bought this token and staked it. But like having a lot of money in crypto doesn't mean like you're uh, like a genius anywhere. It doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't make you like a a genius trader. It's like if you saw like the whole Pepe thing, people just got really lucky and then. <laughs> there's still people writing threads about so-and-so bought a million dollars of Pepe and some of them just been getting chopped, chopped up and losing everything they made. Um, so a lot of it is just like actually like <laughs> watching wallets and like you're tagging your own wallets on Etherscan or um, there's some other apps that have popped up like somewhat recently, like in Telegram too like track there's a lot of these like sniper bots and like snipers like uh trading on chain so you kind of have to like watch and they, they kind of evolve like some people kind of get like hot streaks of like i guess like the whole meme coin kind of really changed at least recently changed a lot of the like the trading and like the way things have been moving on chain as were for
2: of, were you a part of pepe Did, were you early to that did you start noticing it
0: no my friend told me to buy it at like twenty thousand dollars like market cap i was like i'm not buying another one of these things um there was this meta on chain for like the longest time where like they would top out at like forty thousand not forty uh 400k and then it would just be down only because everyone would just dump on you So I kind of just got like really sick of it (laughs) because like when you're bored, like that's kind of all there is to do. Like there's either the NFTs or just like punting on these random like meme coins. And I just got tired of it. I was like, not buying another one of these because every single other one of them has gone down 90%. I'm sure I bought like at least four or five different Peppy coins in the past and they've all just went straight to zero. And of course the one I like don't buy goes to like two billion dollars, you know.
1: Burgie, do you think it's uh do you think it's more value from a trader's perspective, do you think it's more valuable to trade based on uh narratives that are happening on the chain or narratives that are happening on crypto Twitter?
0: Um they're kind of two in the same. Uh because like most of the time it's just price leading and like the the best like advertising for something is kind of like the price moving up pricing moves up then more people pay attention and then <laughs> it's kind of like a not flywheel but it just kind of like the momentum builds on top of itself yeah and so i don't know it's it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of like as prices go up, more people use it and then just it kind of gets the ball rolling
2: i'm curious to get your thoughts on narratives you know it sounds like the, the half-life for a lot of these narratives has just gone down i mean like pepe for instance is sort of faded into irrelevance now. Now it may come back, but then you have stuff like Doge that ebbs and flows, but is, has been more resilient. So this concept of like reflexivity, you know, it can it can really escalate very quickly, spiral up, but it can also spiral down in this sort of attention game where it's super hard to get the incremental attention. What are some of the things your frameworks to understand, like what's an enduring narrative, And that will persist, especially like as a trader, as an investor, as someone that's been around the space for so long, you kind of want to, I'm curious, like what your average holding period is, uh, how comfortable you are holding things in long-term horizon, how you manage risk, like maybe opening up a little bit into kind of your frameworks and your style of investing.
0: Yeah, I kind of move a lot slower than like the average like crypto person, like um, I hold things for like months to like years, not years, but like a year, of, like the max, probably, unless it's like a major like ETH or Bitcoin. Um, so a lot of these hot narratives, I don't like jump on right away unless it's like there's like an actual product or like something to like use. Like, um, I, for example, like I was an investor in Blur. And I was kind of late to it, but like I didn't invest in it until I got to like actually use the product. It really helps. Like when you're actually like out experiencing and like using all these different chains or like products and you can actually see like, okay, maybe I'll actually use this or maybe this isn't just some dumb narrative. Like I didn't really catch a lot of like, remember the AI coins were pumping in like February. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really see, I don't, I still don't really see AI like the current iteration of the it, like ai coin until like eventually we get maybe like some sort of like a chat gbt interface and like a actual like doing the governance for people might be like an interesting thing that happens like an like an own fork with like an ai managing the DAO would be like pretty interesting to see because you'd have like a a really strong community, like following this AI. I just don't know if that's really possible, but.
1: Berge, do you use these products because you actually find value in them or because it's the best way for you to then get alpha by seeing what's coming?
0: A little bit of both. Um, So like you can do a lot of like the airdrop farming, which is pretty like profitable to like do. But, like, then just airdrop, like, farming and using these new products, like, you can actually see, like, okay, maybe I actually do want to buy this token. And then you get, like, deep in the weeds of, like, the discords, the telegrams, and, like, just random things on Twitter. And you can kind of see, like, after using it for a little bit, okay, maybe this is actually useful, or, like, the community is strong, they actually believe that this is actually a useful product. But, like, most of the stuff on chain that's useful is just, like, trading tools, lending and borrowing. Mm-hmm. Just like people just want leverage and just want to like gamble and punt on things.
2: Um, um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, you know, Solana for instance, where it's perhaps still getting a lot of usage on chain. Like metrics are, are strong. And you know, nonetheless, you know, just got delisted from Robinhood and a bunch of other apps. Um, and it's, it's very polarizing. And so when you look at something like that, does it, do you pay attention to that? Do you just generally, what are your thoughts on Solana? Maybe other ecosystems that are less in the limelight, you know, not Ethereum. Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know. I like Solana as like an idea, but it's just been like impossible to make money. on it. Um, just every token I buy I just goes straight down. <laughs> or every NFT doesn't do too high. I mean, minute, there are there are people.
2: Some... I, we, we were of the mind that we you were uh, fairly well. At least you portray yourself as someone that is a good trader. Um, is it what you just said? Is is that more describing kind of the current state of times where it's the market's been choppy? It's it's fairly hard uh, to make money in the in the current environment, or just generally speaking?
0: No, I would say it's been a pretty like like great year on chain, um, since like Alnita like disappeared, like all the farming has been pretty decent finding new products been pretty good. Uh, like you don't have like a perk being listed right away that they like just short your token and farm it to death. Um, but like, I just take a lot of punts and a lot of like opportunities and I guess that kind of leads like your big winners definitely outweigh any losers. But like, if you keep getting like all these paper cuts over and over and over again, like on a certain chain, then you kind of like, you kind of walk back and go, maybe I'm doing something wrong here. Um, there have been a lot of like interesting new projects like dropping on soul, but I just don't really know who's using them. Like they have the whole like the MEV stuff, that tensor. Um, mm-hmm. There was another one too. I don't know. One of my friends who's really deep in the weeds has been buying these. He sees them as like a very one-sided bet. Like it can only go to zero, but like the caps are pretty small. And as long as the team like is still like tweeting or like doing things, then it's probably like a decent bet. I just, um I don't know. I just, I bought like a couple of soul phones, to like maybe get airdrops and stuff. Um So, like, I'm out here, like, using this stuff and, like, it's it's even for me to, like, make money on some of these chains. It's just kind of, like, it's either too much work when you just go, like, an EVM roll up or somewhere easier mm-hmm. with, like, new projects, new teams. And, like, maybe I'm just not as well connected in, like, the Solana ecosystem or, like, some of these other chains that I don't, like, know everything that's going on there but it just seems much much more difficult there as of right now.
2: You know as a as, as a listener they're probably wondering, you know, you started in Wall Street bets. You talked about AMD. Now Nvidia is all the rage. Um why even spend time in crypto anymore? Like why not just go to a traditional market, get leverage, trade these things, you know, you could probably use a lot of the same strategies you're doing to play in traditional markets like is really dry in crypto now. So why even stay here? You know what I mean? Like why not go to traditional markets and play with the same kind of stuff? You know, you have Nvidia's of the world that can, you know, print massive candles that you no longer kind of see in crypto.
0: I just think uh it's much more competitive. Um I, I've been buying like uh AI stocks like since January. So like I, I still like do it, but like I just um it's much more like passive, turn my mind off. I just want to like beat the S&P and that's kind of it with like tech stuff or like stocks. Um, I just think that the edge in crypto that I have and I think most people probably have is much, much higher than like playing in a traditional market. Um, I always um, am a little hesitant to like trade options and do all that because I figured the person who's selling them Is a little bit more sophisticated than I am and paying much more, much more attention than like I am. I, you can like take punts and stuff like that, but I don't know. I think, um, with like network and people I've met and probably most people in this space, you can still have a a bigger edge in crypto than like traditional markets is because I have a lot of friends in traditional markets and (laughs) the work they do, they're listening to. Earnings calls at like 2 a.m. And that's not really something I really want to be doing. And they're reading all these um earning reports and comparing and contrasting of like different different markets. Mm-hmm. And it just is a I can have like a you know, you can have like a telegram chat and Discord channel where like everyone's working all the time in crypto. And I think probably like 10, 20 people can probably do more research than like I would be able to do on myself for like traditional markets.
2: I think this is a really important point. You know, when I first came to crypto from traditional markets, you're sort of thinking that, especially when a lot of this information is on chain, I mean, it's like continuous financial statements, like looking at the health of a protocol and looking at like Aave, for instance, looking at the number of originations and positions. And you, you sort of think like everyone's paying attention. And it's going to be super competitive and and you second guess yourself because you're saying am i missing something like why is it why is there a big disconnect between something that's getting a lot of usage traction but the price doesn't seem to reflect that at least with your fundamental value or you know your value which is a question of itself but then you're wondering it's curious because there's a lot of information on chain but my assessment is most people don't show up to discord or they're not paying attention and you have access to these teams. Like, it's just crazy uh, because there is more information. There's more transparency, but a lot of people don't kind of do the work. Um, I'm, 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 I'm curious, like talking about DeFi, for instance, there, you know, it's proven time and time again that it's resilient. A lot of, uh, a lot of activities moving on chain. You look at some like Uniswap or Curve, some of these protocols like continue to chug along and have proven to be fairly anti-fragile or resilient at least. But the price doesn't reflect that uh, for a lot of these projects. You know, It's down only. Um, so I'm curious, like, how much attention do you pay to DeFi, what your thoughts are on DeFi generally? Um, because prices really have not really recovered and have been in this kind of down only mode for a while now
0: yeah like i think defi is actually really useful um specifically for like trading on chain um the one thing that's very different than like um like punting on like a like a perfect exchange like just a traditional like crypto exchange is like you can only there's only so many assets and stuff you can trade and so like borrowing against assets that you already own is like a It's, like, soft, like, less leverage than you get just, like, trading, but then, like, trading on, like, an exchange. And that kind of opens up a lot of doors and possibilities that aren't, like, really available on-chain or, like, on exchanges. For, like, the DeFi products, they're, like, super useful, but, like, that doesn't mean the token is going to go up. Like, we've seen this many times where, like, a super useful protocol and the token doesn't have to go up. And I'm kind of like, I really like DeFi, the tokens are hit or miss. The only thing I'm really concerned about is since like ETH staking and like ETH deflationary, a lot of these ETH ratios are not really, it's really hard to like want to buy one of these tokens when like you could just stake ETH and earn like 7% borrow against Mm. it and then use it to buy like whatever you want. A lot of people think it's because they're not returning revenues to, like, the token holders. Yeah. But I, even if they did that, I don't think that's going to mean the token's going to go up, you know. Um, then you kind of get caught in, like, the, the value trap of, like, this token makes this much, so it should be this much. And that doesn't mean it always make that much. And I don't know, you just get into a weird game of, like... <laughs> Almost going back to traditional markets of like valuing these things based on revenue. Um, and I still think, do you remember back in the DeFi summer the, um, what were they calling it? The like app chain, not app chain, but the app value accrual thing. Mm-hmm. I still feel like that might be possible, but it's going to take these things, like the tokens to become like actual like monopolies on chain and like, kind of to dominate their they're already dominating their section but real like i just don't know what they have to do like completely dominate their segment and then get like maybe more broad of like uh was it horizontally Mm -hmm. it's still just hard like they're all kind of trying to do the same thing to a point
2: yeah i mean you could you could it's a great point i mean a cynic would probably say, or just someone would say, hey, listen, you're better off investing in the layer one token because that's going to capture MEV versus investing in DeFi uh, token. Even though like you're still you starting to see these clusters like Uniswap dominates like as a DEX. Um, it just commands market share like no other. Um, Aave Compound, you could argue like a duopoly there. Uh, Maker, you know, as well. <clears throat> But none of these tokens have really performed, I mean, they drastically underperform ETH. And so I guess it sort of begs the question, like, generally, I found that even for early stage investing, it is very hard to outperform ETH over the medium to long term. And that was even before, to your point, where you have this deflationary asset that is, um, you know, has a staking component to it that you can earn a nice yield. Um I guess where I'm trying to go with this is, you know, how has your style of investing changed over since you got started? Um, You know, you talk about being part of the ICO craze. You talk about, you know, buying Bitcoin in the early days. You have a whole range of possibilities now, narratives. And it's sort of an infinite, like a very, very expanding universe of things that you can buy. Um, You know, are you value, momentum? I'm I'm like referencing traditional investing styles, but contrarian, like what is your style of investing? What are some of the more useful frameworks that you hold on to to make sense of this market?
0: I like vividly remember back in 2017, buying these altcoins and just massively underperforming Bitcoin and also then massively underperforming ETH in certain, certain periods and that experience of like underperformance is just um kind of like soul crushing so since then i've always like back in like 2018 2019 was you had to outperform bitcoin because that's just like what um uh, well you had it turned into like outperformance in cash because everything was just going down but like in a bull market, the the underperforming ETH or like underperforming Bitcoin, you might as well just do nothing. You're better off just doing nothing and just holding those. And outside of like, I guess I kind of see it similar to like passive passive like investing in like S and P 500, where like your main goal is just to like outperform. Like a killer year is just like outperforming the spy. And so I've used these as a similar framework too. If I can outperform ETH and Bitcoin, like that's pretty awesome. And so just uh, have a majority. That's kind of why I like the lending and borrowing so much is because you can hold a majority of your assets in ETH or Bitcoin and borrow against that. To take these smaller size, but like higher risk, higher reward on these like smaller cap potential like plays while still having like the performance of ETH and Bitcoin as like the the underlying portfolio. You just have to be very careful for something like last year to happen where everything blows up and then the best performance you can do is just hold cash.
2: Yeah. I mean and, and what is your on this point, you know, how do you think about holding cash stables? Um um, you know, certainly there's some risk earlier this year about you know holding particular stable coins that could DPEG. And, um, you know, what's your kind of latest positioning or how have you repositioned your portfolio over the last year or so where you've had multiple blow ups? There's counterparty risk, there's liquidity risks, there's off on and off ramping risks. Like, how have you processed all of that? And how have you repositioned your portfolio to kind of weather? any sort of impending wins that that we're seeing
0: um like i was pretty big into like the yield farming stuff and so that kept a lot of my portfolio in like stables for a while um luckily i didn't touch like the ust um or anything like that so i've kind of dodged a lot of like the on-chain like stuff i just use that as like a way to like not be all in and like just have something on the side line either to like buy a dip or like you know like when usdc depeg that was such an easy trade because everyone was just super panicked and i just like bought a bunch of usdc and i don't know i've seen that happen so many times i don't know if you remember the the tether blow-ups where it went to like 0.9 quite a few times and i just see that as um if one of those blows up, crypto is kind of like over, not over, but it's not going to be in a very good place. So i just buy it. And then that's like a few, like 10%. That's pretty good for like a weekend.
2: I want to go back to comparing like last cycle to this cycle. Um, like a lot of times you need one or two narratives that seem subtle at the beginning to really kickstart start. More interest, more attention, and like an enduring, like bull market. I guess the problem is that looking at historical kind of restarts and and cycles, you had this ample liquidity in the market because of a very like record low interest rate environment. And like, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you think about investing in a in a state of the world where it's just much high, it's just a very different ball game when you have higher interest rates and and less liquidity in the market for people to punt and gamble on you know crypto and traditional markets and like does that compute does that change how you think about the opportunity cost and how you think about where this space can actually go can we actually recover um does it take longer i'm sort of curious how you process all of this
0: yeah um the whole liquidity thing definitely is a fact but I think it's kind of overblown. Like, I don't know if you saw those accounts on Twitter just talking about the TGA, like, nonstop, where the, I've, like, never heard anyone talk about the TGA for, like, seven, eight years. Um, but it's definitely had, like, an impact on, like, some of these coins where, like, yeah. I just see it as if prices aren't, like, higher, if I don't really think prices are higher in a year or two, I think I'm kind of, like, wasting my time here. And like, if that, you know, like if I didn't really think prices would be higher in like a year or two, or like this technology was actually like useful, probably better off just going to do something else. And so I see it as like, you know, at the top, like things are (laughs) never better never can get better. But at the bottom, things are always the worst and can only get worse. And I always think there's somewhere in the middle of both of like, I try to like, I definitely have a more optimistic outlook like majority of the time. So I just never really think things are as bad as like what people really think. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of just like a, not like a dumb bull, but that's kind of like how I position. And that's why I like would hold like um, stables on the side. Cause I, I know my bias is pretty heavily weighted. So like up, uh, yeah. But if my goal is just to survive, then I just have to survive until it's easy again.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone in the space generally, there's a tendency to be optimistic because you just, one, you can compare it to the progress that you've made over the last six, seven years on the infrastructure side, on, on a number of fronts. And, you know, if you liked ETH back then <laughs> at 1400, like five, you know, what is it, three years ago, four years ago. It's really like it now when you have L2s, you have much more traction, you have much more narratives and use cases. Um, But, you know, that's not to say that it's going to recover as fast and survival is key, right? And so I'm just kind of curious in your mind, like talking a little bit more about survival, like what are some of the things that that you're doing that have been most helpful to kind of survive cycles? Like if you could just spend a moment there, like maybe what's starting, like what's your allocation? Like at, at any given point in time, like <clears throat> how much do you hold cash? And I bring this up because like I, I've been listening to like you listen to someone like Stan Druckenmiller, legendary investor. And he says, look, I just don't see a fat pitches coming to this point. Like I want to invest when there's a fat pitch. And right now there's none and it's a really tough environment. So, but people don't like to hold cash. And so maybe I'll start asking the question, like how much cash do you hold at any given point in time? Um, and how do you manage kind of surviving through these cycles?
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't really, I'm trying to think of how to like say it, like put this, um, I don't really have like an exact framework. It's kind of more just by gut. And like, if I have like a token that like just really outperformed, like just sell some to cash, you know, like doesn't hurt there's always another opportunity and um it doesn't hurt to like miss stuff it doesn't hurt to like i have mean, held things up multiple percentage and then just <laughs> down to like re-entry um it just kind of happens and like i don't know i don't really see Like you don't have to hit every single pitch or like you just don't want to like strike out like and like lose everything. So like just a majority in like like the majors for now until things become interesting. I've just been thinking about this a lot lately. Of like so in like 2021, it was like pretty clear like layered ones would like take off. You know, with like the BSC season. And if I were to tell someone now of like if someone asked me like what crypto do I buy to like make a ton of money, I, I don't know. <laughs> You know, like, uh, it seems a little bit more obvious back then. But even now, like, some of the market caps are pretty high. So, like, I've just been trying to, like, think about, like, what's, like, for, like, next cycle or, or, like, next kind of narrative. Like, what will really outperform? And it's just, like, you just have to think about it for a long time. And, like, maybe there isn't one. And maybe it's just ETH or, like, maybe it's just Bitcoin, Um, especially with all, like, the regulations and stuff. Um, so for like surviving, I think I do like 30, 20 to 30% cash and then just stables and then, um, like majors and then maybe like 20, 15% for like, um, for like their mate. So it's like 30 cash, 30 stables and then ETH, Bitcoin, and then like, uh, 10, 20% for like, um, speculative plays, like, uh uh any deals that might come
2: through or um like some hot narrative that pops up um, when you're holding uh, yeah, just before ahead. we move on Jason, just on this point alone, like curious if you've diversified away you, you say you have cash not stables so that means you, know, you sort of like, hold uh, on, like i use presumably. stables i use them like interchangeably got okay so so like roughly if i'm hearing you right it's, it's uh, what is it 40 60 percent at any given point in time stables yeah, that sounds about right. Wow. Are you, but, you know, some you of the yields, stables or
0: Yeah, um, here and there. Um, when it's it was crazy good, now that,
2: like, what are your thoughts around, like, DeFi yields, like, sta- the yield on stable coins? Like, you're better off, like, buying treasuries? Why not just? I've Bitcoin? kind
0: of, I've kind of walked away from it uh, in the last couple of months just because the yields aren't really worth it. Um, but there was a good time where it was like 20, 30% for, like, you know like two years that's like pretty pretty good yeah. uh, i don't know i need to figure out something to do with that um like the stable allocation now because i feel like yeah i don't know um the well, yields God. haven't been very good and then like i don't really want to buy tebow because i figured you'll outperform buying like this year buying stocks but here Already pretty allocated stocks. I don't really want to chase that. Um, Crypto, the regulations, a little bit iffy. Um, Get through the other side of that. Like maybe the XRP thing goes through and be much more heavily allocated. But I don't know. A lot of like, um, I just did a lot of like lending and borrowing with my E. So that was kind of like how I used that as like a very low leverage. And so that's kind of why I held like a lot of cash for stables.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absent in this conversation was NFTs. I'm curious, do you think about one, NFTs, because you mentioned Blur, do you think about NFTs in this portfolio or do you just have a separate bucket collectibles They don't even compute in the investing kind of portfolio bracket?
0: Yeah, no, the NFTs are, I always write them off as zero. Um, and then it's like an added bonus of like, okay, I sold this for X amount. Um, that's pretty like, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty nice. Um, for NFTs, I haven't really seen, I don't know, the NFT summer was crazy where you just buy art blocks for 0.1 ETH and sell them for like three to five. And just people weren't really paying attention to like art blocks. And I don't know, I, I feel like that eventually comes back, but in like a different way. Um, I don't know if you've seen recently, like, the the Jack uh, Butcher stuff's been really popular. Like, the NFT, like, people have kind of, like, written off and have, like, abandoned NFTs, I feel like, to, like, trade meme coins. They've sold all the NFTs buy meme coins. So I still mm-hmm. think, like, NFTs are, like, super interesting, but they're more of, like, a, they're, like, fun, something to do. So, like, you don't, like, trade up and chop and, like, lose all your money. Um, it's kind of just like a a time investment to keep yourself mm-hmm. busy because like the best NFTs I ever like bought were like cheap and like they didn't really like have like a meaningful impact. But then other people started to like think they were like blue chips or like something like super valuable. And so I don't know. I NFTs will come back, but they're like having their own little. Uh, the drought i'd say
2: 2018 moment for erc 20s i guess
0: yes um, and like, i don't really the thing i'm worried about NFTs is, is again like the ratios like if you can just take your eth why would you put 50 eth into something yeah um they might go up in like dollar amounts but i don't really know if they outperform in like eth terms
2: no certainly i'm curious um generally speaking when you make an investment and I've heard you say you have kind of different, you know, sometimes you, you look at it in a short-term basis, but it's never more than it sounds like a year. Um, do you go into an investment or a trade with a particular number in mind of when you punch out? Is it, it becomes too big a percentage of your portfolio, you clock, you beat the SPY, you beat the benchmark, whether it's ETH or Bitcoin. I'm curious how you think about or if you even think about, look, if it reaches this price, I'm out. You know, if it's 20% this year, I'm fine with and anything above 20, I'll just cut and go to stables.
0: Yeah, that's like a, another one it just depends on the market of like, um, I've, I've had some mistakes of like, you know, trading your PL or trading like your unrealized gains and like I, From my experience, just like setting an actual number you want to hit for a certain investment just never has worked out well for me. Um, it, and I look at it more of like a market cap kind of thing. If it's at this market cap, then OK, like I should just even if I don't really want to, I'll just take some off because I know I have like a, a bullish bias or like I'm not really probably like thinking clearly so i don't know and then i've had it the other way of like just selling too early and you miss out because you're trading like a, a number and not like um you know like the trade's still going there's still like there's momentum i don't know i think um back like there's some podcasts i listen to of like um a lot of like crypto stuff like kind of depends. I, I don't really fully believe it, but the whole TA stuff, um, I don't know. Like, I've gotten much better at, like, okay, this is, like, kind of died off, you know? Like, the, the momentum stopped. And I don't know. It's still just something I'm not, like, perfect at to, like, exit something. Um, for, like, now, I see it's maybe it's a little different because, like, a bear market and... Um, I still might want to own these tokens if things turn around. And so I don't really, it's kind of like market dependent and like how things are going. And like, you can, after a little bit, you can kind of tell too with like euphoria of like people on Twitter where like, they're like, uh, do you remember that SafeMoon guy, like screaming? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and April, 2021, It's like, oh, okay. That's probably like, I don't know. There's like little signs and stuff of like okay maybe it's time to to pull a little bit off
1: this episode is brought to you by Thales a new frontier in simple on-chain options here's what you do you choose an asset a strike price and the market you want to participate in and that's it with its powerful and capital efficient amm-based architecture Thales is able to offer low fees Automated liquidity and effective utilization of leverage with no funding rate and known payouts. They just launched this new UI. It's super clean. Step one, you choose an asset. Step two, you choose a strike date. Step three, you pick a market and choose the USD amount. Getting exposure to crypto assets price action has never been easier because of Thales. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to ThalesMarket.io. T-H-A-L-E-S Market.io. ThalesMarket.io. They're on Arbitrum and Optimism. Go play around, choose a crypto asset, choose a strike date, pick a market, choose the USD amount, bada bing, bada boom, check out Thales market. Let's face it, concentrated liquidity is hard. And that's why I'm super excited to partner with Carbon for Empire. Carbon is a new DEX on Ethereum that makes concentrated liquidity easy. With Carbon, LPs can now automate your liquidity strategy with custom on-chain limit orders and range orders. Wanna buy a token when it dips and sell it when it spikes? With Carbon, you can now set a strategy that buys in on one price range and sells in a higher range on repeat using a single source of automated rotating liquidity. Strategies can be created for any standard ERC20 token. I recently checked out the Carbon Beta that just dropped, pretty blown away by the liquidity strategies that Carbon enables on-chain. It has these rich trading features that you'd expect from a centralized exchange, except Carbon is fully on-chain, decentralized, and non-custodial. Just connect your wallet, it's carbondefi.xyz, that's carbondefi.xyz, choose a trading pair, set your buy and sell ranges and amounts, hit create, and you're done. Carbon automatically moves your liquidity into your selected ranges as the market moves. Last but not least, I'm excited to announce that Carbon is running a ROI trading competition until July 11th. Here's how to play, super easy, two steps. One, click the Carbon link in the show notes. Two, create a new Carbon trading strategy. And voila, you are now eligible to win USDC rewards based on the performance of your strategies. LPs, it is time to take back control of your liquidity with Carbon. Check out the link and get started today. Now, let's get back to Empire. Bergy, I want to get your take, move away from the trading side a little bit and just talk about um, a couple of the big topics that are happening right now. So one of them is um, roll-ups um, and just like the L2 space, but would, would be curious to get your take on like optimism versus Arbitrum and what just, I guess, what's happening in the, in the roll-up and in the, in the L2 space in general right now
0: yeah there just seems like a very big disconnect of like communities between like optimism and Arbitrum. um it's always seemed like i guess because like Arbitrum was more of like an open uh starting point when they like launched so like more projects were like open to like building there and it i don't know if you remember the uh there was like that Nyon cat on Arbitrum that everyone was like farming. It was like all of Arbitrum ETH was in this Nyon cat or RV cat kind of thing. And I think that kind of like started the like DGEN kind of like aspect of like Arbitrum. It was just like a very different set of communities. Like the optimism one seems much more um, maybe like, I, I don't really know how to put it of like a, a VC Focus kind of thing where um, a lot of people just seem to hold their tokens and don't sell them all the time. So things kind of just behave very differently than like an Arborshome. And Arborshome is much more like degenerate or like mercenary capital where like they're looking for like a quick trade, quick flip. And uh, outside of like some of the few like major ones that have been big success on Arborshome, it's kind of like, uh, it's very fast. It moves much faster.
1: Hmm. How do you see the roll up space playing out once once all these Z, like um once all the ZK EVMs get, get launched and go to mainnet, maybe like later this year, like the scrolls of the world? Do you think that what's what's the impact on the on the L2 space?
0: See, I don't really know. Um because like the the optimistic ones, the optimistic roll ups just have like a pretty big lead on them which is like people building on them, users comfortable with them. Um, and then the Coinbase really, the Coinbase chain will be very interesting to like how they direct people in there. Like if you saw like today, Robinhood's like making everyone sell. yep, If they don't pull out the Solana, Matic and Cardano. And uh, I, I think they'll drive a lot of like trading volume through their wallet to get people over there and i just don't know how the zk like roll-ups catch up to kind of like the the head start they got i know like they'll be like supposedly more efficient cheaper to use you can withdraw your money really fast but if like coinbase is the like bridge and point for some of this stuff you can still move your money around pretty fast yeah and so I think it comes down more to like what becomes like a better user experience. Where will people like want to be trading? Where will they be able to make more money? Um, Like the meme coin and stuff on ETH, like that was just people throwing around like crazy amount of money to buy like these meme coins. And you didn't really see that on any other chain. And I just don't see how some of these ZK things get that sort of traction or like. people using them outside of like a token and like the token, everyone's just farming. Like if you look at the user metrics of like the ZK stuff, I know it's still early, so it's hard to like verify, but like, it just seems like it's just people like farming.
1: Yeah. Like the airdrop. Bergy, do you think um, one thing that we haven't seen is value accrue to NFTs on anything basically outside of ETH? Um, I guess you had it with the mad lads in Solana a little bit, but do you think uh, eventually NFTs can get big on roll-ups or not really?
0: Yeah. So I've been thinking about this too, of like, why that happened. And I think it's similar to like the meme coins where like, that's like where the liquidity is. And that's where like people are like taking punts and like aggressively buying things, whether or not it works out for them. And I guess the NFTs maybe didn't take off on roll-ups or anything like that because like OpenSea wasn't deployed there. And like, that was more of like a muscle memory of like when you wanted to go buy an NFT, you just went to OpenSea. Like that's just where everyone was. That's where all the attention and money and everything was. There's just not really on some of these other chains. It's just hard to keep track of everything, like all these NFTs and if they're not like going up or like you're just holding there's no buyers then people just get impatient and just like floor it and get out so i i think it kind of has to do with like the attention and um it wasn't like open wasn't deployed there and then yep. um yeah I, yep. maybe yep. also to like the nft people like you couldn't create like your sometimes like you couldn't Put your profile pic on certain chains or anything like that as like your twitter profile so i don't know it was kind of a lot of things but i still feel like they should eventually i just don't know what's holding it back
1: yeah bergy what do you think is the most misunderstood thing in crypto right now
0: (sighs) that's that's uh i think probably just like the meme coins of like um a lot of people think it's like a I get like people by the top lose their money, but like, just please don't like put all your money into like a meme yeah. coin. But like, I don't think people understand like the the meta of like how intense like the things have changed around like meme coins and like the attention they've been getting. It it just seems like it's like a a offshoot of like there's like a very big disconnect between the people trading these and like people like trading on like exchanges where like some of the tooling and like um, to like buy and snipe some of this stuff on chain has really, really um, changed in the last few months where like one of these, bot, it's a little, it's not, you don't hold your own key. So you have to have, like give your money to the spot to like do everything for you, but you can like, click buttons to trade for you and it was really one of the top like earning DeFi protocols which is really crazy i just think people don't really like the market's telling you where everything's kind of going to like this uh shitcoin casino kind of thing but a lot of people are kind of afraid to like admit that
1: yeah yeah or yeah, anything we haven't talked about that you think is really interesting or overhyped or underhyped or other things you're paying attention to that we haven't talked about?
2: Um,
0: I've been trying to think of like, what could like revitalize like DeFi. I don't really know like what does it. Do you guys have like any thoughts on that? I'd, I'd be curious to hear like what yeah, you think, because maybe you've seen something that I haven't. Hmm.
2: In terms of narratives? Like what brings
1: back DeFi summer, another DeFi bull market? I mean, it's been, yeah, two years since we've seen a bull market in DeFi. Um, I think
2: think regulatory clarity.
1: Yeah. Um.
2: You know, uh, you mentioned the XRP case. Generally speaking, I feel like if that goes through in a positive manner, I think I'd like to see uh, uh, the design space for a token. Tokens really kind of come back because I think it's been hampered dramatically by this limbo and regulatory kind of uncertainty. And
0: yeah, I've been seeing a lot of teams like very hesitant to to drop a token now,
2: which, yeah,
0: yeah, I I understand. It doesn't make
2: sense from a timing perspective. The market's soft, you have regulatory risk, but you have to do it at some point. I mean, we go back to this idea where like it was like, blockchain not crypto and i i'm very much of the mind that you need to have a token for these things to coordinate activity and to decentralize and to you know compensate people and the value accrual is set in a way in the expressed in a token i'm very much of that belief and i would hope that with regulatory clarity we can have a path forward where we can actually just think more clearly And objectively about how to design tokens without, with a clear framework in place to say, okay, we're going to follow these rules. It's going to be, you know, fine. We're we're compliant. We're okay. We're following this playbook to eliminate regulatory risk. And then just think clearly of how to design airdrops. How to, just I think it just frees up a lot of mental, like a lot of headspace that has been going to navigating this. You know uncertainty um that is in the market
0: yeah that's um i clearly remember becoming like almost like a, a bitcoin maxi in like the 2019 where it's like everything why does this need a token mm-hmm. but i definitely changed my mind of like probably everything should just have a token whether good mm-hmm. or bad at least you should try it but now navigating around these like we can't do this because blah 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 um just seems like you're taking too much like mental you know like mental energy to like <laughs> it should just be a token it shouldn't really be and should have like these set frameworks where like you can have like a value accrual of it without yeah. having to like walk around the lines you know um yeah i guess that would probably be like the most like I just don't know how the XRP case will go. Of like, it seems like they'll probably, seems like things are going good uh, with some of their uh, things they've acquired uh, recently, Mm -hmm. but.
2: I think uh, I saw an, an interesting data point today. I don't know how true this is, but they've earmarked and or spent 150 million on this defense, XRP has. And Coinbase and Binance apparently is earmarked over a billion. And yeah, so, I saw that too. I'm not like- sure how. Again, haven't verified this, but if if it were to be true, I mean, putting aside figures, I would think that look, both Coinbase and Binance and Grayscale have plenty of resources to to fight this. And I think the outcome of that is is positive. I've been encouraged by the courts and how they're interpreting it, and the hope would be that. You know, we, we get finally some some rules in place, some some guidance. I mean, you already have Mika in Europe. The UK is coming out with clear guidance. I think that's all it really needs. I mean, I'll ask you the question, like, how much capital do you think has been on the sidelines over the last six years because of this regulatory uh, overhang?
0: Um, that, I just don't, because, like, some of the big funds raised um, a ton of money in 2021. And it didn't really seem like they could allocate all of that, so I don't really know if there's that much money on the sidelines waiting to buy. And then like Bitcoin, and ETH, they both have like I think most people consider them commodities. I'm sure there's people who don't. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't really know how much money is on the sideline. Maybe. Uh It could be like a career risk of like, you don't want to be buying this because like of regulations if you're like in traditional finance and so maybe there's some money on the sideline there. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that gives me a little bit pause is that these some of the, the big VC funds weren't able to allocate. It seems like all their capital in crypto.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. It's a good point. Fair point. I mean, a lot of those strategies are early stage. Like some of these funds just want to allocate into private stuff, which is capacity constraint, would agree there. But um,
0: yeah, I know. guess they don't really have a mandate to be buying things. They're mandates to like go buy early stage stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there is actually a decent amount on the sideline.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just generally think like, a lot of people have turned away from thinking about crypto even nfts if you're because of this regulatory overhang now encouragingly we're seeing brands like lvmh like just tread along and nike and some other just you know look at i think nfts are in a different position
0: yeah. that soulbound one was kind of interesting that they're they're coming out with um,
2: mm-hmm. um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it legitimizes the space at a minimum. It credentializes it. It, um, it allows us an industry to move forward and have a stronger defense. Um, I think it's still there is a lot of room to m- meet this narrative and promises with actual product. I think there's always that deficit. We saw it in prior cycles. I think there it, it continues to be here today. Like gaming... We're nowhere near producing like super high quality games. It's going to take time.
0: Yeah. The gaming thing always um, has given me a little bit of a pause. Like you can, you can see the vision, but the execution of it just seems so difficult to actually pull off. I don't know what it takes to actually pull it off. And I, I just mm-hmm. don't really, for most people, I don't really think it like for people in crypto, it's not very, it's just hard to invest in or buy you have to like play the game to know it's good and that takes a big like time investment
2: yeah absolutely um anything else i mean questions for us or just things that are on your mind you're paying attention to that you want to talk about
0: um you know what actually the social media stuff is kind of interesting too um just the user experience of it and like crypto of like The the two main ones are like Warpcaster and Lens and um, like the apps are pretty good. They're useful, but I just don't know what takes it to get the the snowball rolling of people like actually logging in there and um, using it. And that kind of ties into, I guess, like the meme tokens were kind of like not, they were a decent iteration on like the social tokens, which people always like talked about over the years.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but I don't think it was a very good (laughs) iteration of it, but it might be like laying the groundwork for it, but uh, you can get a lot of trouble for that stuff. So um, I just don't know. I can see kind of like where it might go. I just don't know how like the execution of like actual social tokens might
2: implement in like the real world, you know? Well, let me ask you a question. Like obviously there was BitClout that, you know, gave a coin to each creator is a creator coins. You're someone that has a hundred plus 130,000 plus followers on Twitter. You produce good content. Um, did you ever want, are you dismissive or where do you stand in terms of a uh, big cloud type? I'm not saying just big cloud, but just the idea of having a, a token representing kind of your social currency. Do you think that this is like steam it, right? Like, do you think that that tampers with a lot of us just are on Twitter because that's where we engage with people, but you're not doing it to, to like be a paid shell, you know, like in many ways, I think it may tamper with the genuine aspect of you just want to engage and you want to communicate. And the minute you introduce like value to that, it sort of distorts it in a very different way. And it just changes the game. Some people might like it, others don't, right? I mean, there's a bunch of influencers out there. Uh, I'm curious, like, what do you, wh- where do you stand in terms of BitCloud models, creator coins? Start- um,
0: I've always seen like, I like didn't want to be like an influencer, I guess. Um, so I just use it as like a way to like network and talk to people and like keep active. Like, ask, que- it's like the best Google in the world where you can just ask questions. And, 10 people will tell you right 10 people will tell you wrong and then it's like a very good public chat room um i wouldn't want to like have a token but i i would want to maybe like punt on it, like buy other people's tokens because i don't know um i think it would be kind of fun interesting but i can see it kind of going uh a bad way too so uh Mm -hmm. the big cloud they just um yeah, that was a weird one. I don't really know what was going on with that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But maybe... I i don't really... I feel like you just have to try it and see what happens. Um, but you have to be very careful because it can go very wrong, you know, and that can kind of kill like one of these platforms.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell and you, things- I, I, I mean, we, like- we announced I was- Lens this week. Like I was an investor oh, yeah. in Lens. I I, I I mean, I have a good relationship with with the Aave team and Stani. I created my lens profile to be very transparent. It, it is hard to change your flow. You know, I, you're used to going on Twitter and that's where the conversation is, um, and I've talked to Stani about ways to kind of insert yourself in that flow and the thing that comes to mind is can you, can you create some sort of app where if you, if you tweet it automatically posts on lens, like by default, and then like as an initial hook, right? just poured over the content like airbnb did this great strategy where they reverse kind of pulled all the listings that were on craigslist and then just slapped a really nice picture because craigslist is kind of shady right for real like real estate listings and then they just like hired photographers created like beautiful like ui ux and like pictures and that was really all it took to kind of source all the inventory and the content to the platform if you could somehow do that You know, I I think what was encouraging at the time where I started looking at lens was, you know, this time where a lot of people got the platform, right. you had like president of the United States, it's losing his Twitter account Um, and people get shadow banned and it's, they've been changing the algorithm so much that it's difficult to understand how, like sometimes it's just, it's been difficult to understand engagement and if I don't, like I I I think about it, but I haven't seen it in practice. But I think if someone were to like say, "Hey, go go to Lens and look at your profile," like, and if if assuming you already have the content there, like all my tweets are on Lens, and then someone could say, "Hey, look at all these analytics of like, hey, look at you can maybe <clears throat> play around with curation and engagement and like t- like maybe that's what like there's like a there's going to be I think if these things ever work, there's going to be a killer function value add that you don't have on twitter that allows you to connect with your audience understand engagement and maybe get higher like right now i'm really lost in every week there's changes to the twitter platform like right now i look at comments and then there's like somehow there's like a there's a relevant you know what i mean like if you scroll down comments and then you see like uh what is it it's like yeah yeah they throw the it's like a discover more yeah, yeah discover more i'm like guys no like i don't care about that like you're messing with my brain too much um there's also the search like, is completely broken too so. search is broken um <clears throat> you know what else uh you know the, the the classic one that always gets me is like the for you and following i'm like just don't show for you i'm just this is the reason why i just follow certain people like I've seen, like, three people die on Twitter in the last, like, day. It's been pretty awful. Yeah. And so...
0: I don't know why they put those out there, like, for just in the For You page.
2: You know, I genuinely think, like, there is some interesting experiments going on on Twitter where it felt like it was super static for such a long time. You know, subscribers, and there's this idea that subscribers are able to get emails from their... You know, all these things are, like, interesting, but that's not to say that that's where I'm like if I'm the lens team, I'd be looking at saying, you know, there's a big part of, of, of creators and, you know, people that are on this platform that would appreciate being perhaps more targeted in, in the curation and the content generation. And like, look, look at Facebook. Like I haven't been on Facebook since years because the feed went from being, Hey, this is cool. An aggregated view of my friends too. This looks like Times Square and it sucks. I want to get out of here as quickly as possible. It just, you know what I mean? It's terrible.
0: These, like the social media, you just need a reason to like open the app like once a day. That's like really what they need to like work on. If you can... Find a reason, and then it becomes like muscle memory. you can have a reason to like open this to like look at it once a day or like once a week or something like that, where
2: yeah, just habitual becomes a
0: habit, I don't know, but then there's all those other ones, like the blue sky and North I haven't even and then Instagram is supposedly coming out like a Twitter clone It just seems like too much, but I feel like there's there has to be some opportunity here for something like that. It's just kind yeah. of like a forgotten aspect of like crypto. Um, mm-hmm. If you remember back in like 2017, there were all these crazy ideas people had. I thought like lending on chain was like the dumbest thing. I was like, why would I ever want to lend my crypto? Um, turns out that was like actually a pretty good use case, but yeah. um, there Especially are a lot of things I'm from sure. that cycle where like, okay, now it makes sense. Like in practice, I'm, there's gotta be a, a bunch of those ideas from past cycles, even the um yeah even this past one and like n f t s and just crypto in general that I probably have a big like use case in the future or not use case, but um maybe a hype cycle or like someone actually builds something interesting
2: mm-hmm. I, I it's a great observation. I've been thinking more about let's go back to some of the things that we were bullish on. In the last cycles that didn't end up working like let's revisit that because in that list is going to be a killer use case because the infrastructure is different the environment's different especially in crypto where you have like the infrastructure deployment cycle is is such where you have layer twos like it's just a different ballgame yeah the
0: layer twos really open up a lot of like more computational they, that you they reopen the design
2: space in an interesting way um, you just
0: have to be careful because like a lot of them <laughs> That's like the bugs and stuff and some of that stuff, like a lot of them shouldn't be happening of like, they're just common mistakes that mm-hmm. just slip through by their, I don't know. Yeah. Some, of them, some of them might be intentional. Some of them are just honest mistakes.
2: One of the best traders, I think it was Kobe or someone else that said like, I heard him say, he was telling me like the best investments that he'd made was not the first iteration, but the second iteration, the second best idea. Uh, like he said, I made way more money on Litecoin than Bitcoin. Or, yeah, I mean, I'm quoting, but I, not not say it was Kobe, but like you know what I mean. And, and and in many ways, that was my thesis with Ave. You were you had Compound, it had raised money from well known VCs, but then you had Land at the time, and it was public, and the team hadn't given up, and it was the same model, but it was trading at like a quarter of the valuation or so. But at human capital alone, you were in the money, and I think oftentimes. We get caught up in, look, narratives are important in the space. And sometimes, you know, a lot of these projects may not recover because they're just, it's an attention economy. If you're not in the top 100 coins, it's really difficult to ga- gather attention. But I think fundamentally over a decent amount of time, if to your point on tracking on chain activity, using these things, I think you get a lot of confidence from it is, price is super important, but ultimately I think it's you have faith that over time, if something is delivering value and people are using it, it's going to get more attention. And if it gets more attention, then it's more users show up and it sort of restarts that cycle. Um, and if it's not that protocol, it's another protocol, right? If it's another, if it's not, you know, a derivatives platform on Ethereum, maybe it's a derivatives platform on an L2 or some other chain, you know? Yeah. Just so,
0: some of like the user experience needs to like improve. Um, yeah.
2: Well, sir. That, I mean, isn't uh, that true for ever everything been, in crypto? Have,
0: have you ever been liquidated on chain, and then like you go to check and your money's just gone?
2: Oh boy, <laughs> there's no, there's I got, no. You know. <laughs> I've been liquidated. I was liquidated on chain in that uh Black Thursday. Um, I had some positions in DYDX and Maker, and <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, DYDX especially was was had a really faulty oracle, yeah. and and it was I lost a fair amount of ETH on that one. Oh man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just like, uh, you don't get any email, you just go and you're like, oh, unless you have like a wallet tracker where like you get alerts and stuff. It's like, oh,
2: yeah, I mean, that, oh, led that me just to kind moved for my
0: wallet, that's not good.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no notice. It's just like, thanks for playing, come back, not even come back later. It's just like, thanks for playing. The DeFi saver, for instance, was something that I discovered in that process, like automatic yeah. like refill and managing a position. You're not going to get a call, but at least it, you know their smart contract and like I'm not endorsing people should do their own research but for me I I looked at that and say oh it's pretty cool functionality where you set the limits of when to refill collateral automatically so you don't get liquidated and of course you're trusting like flash loans and their ability to like execute these transactions uh and re you know rebalance the position so that you don't get liquidated in in a what usually coincides with a really congested environment high gas fee environment but yeah like yeah you know I think uh we learned through fire i guess in many ways as early beta testers uh, in crypto
0: yeah it just comes with the territory i guess um but th- like that's kind of like the user experience on some of these like perp dexes and sh- it's um you can see where it's headed but it's still like unironically early where like there's no way some of this stuff will get like adoption but you can see like the groundwork being laid of like where this could potentially be like used and i think like a lot of people just miss that of like mm-hmm. um it's always like not like this is the worst why would anyone use this, this is like stupid pointless and yeah. i don't know like a lot well, like we sure do use like crypto quite a bit for like not having many use cases even if the current use cases are mostly like speculation and like uh, like just trading, which as far as a question
2: do do you think that's bad?
0: I don't really think so, but I can see why people would consider it not very like productive to society but well does by that need... token,
2: does that not render Netflix, hollywood vegas uh all the kind of sport leagues not economically productive and bad for society, and though they should be- good, all go to zero
0: no i I don't think it's like a, a bad thing. I just think um, it's you, you listen to these people and it's like, it's crypto is like the going to save, save the world, save society unbank bank, the, the bankless. And um, I think you kind of get distracted and like the current iteration of it. And you can't, you don't, you kind of lose sight of like what like Bitcoin and like ETH and like these things could actually end up doing it doesn't really make a lot of sense maybe not a lot of sense take that back of like um the use cases in different countries are very different and i think a lot of people don't really realize that because like they've never lived anywhere else so most places you don't have to worry about capital flight you don't have to worry about like your dollar devaluing or like access to like a bank but even in like Western countries, like banks are kind of a pain in the ass to deal with if you want to like transfer a certain amount of money. And, um, with reason, I mean, there's reasons why those laws exist, but it's still just, I don't know, a pain.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we could, as an industry, be more honest. Um, and at the same time realize that, you know, a big part of this is just greater consumer preference and optionality. And that's a good thing. Anything that enhances that, especially in a transparent manner, you know, is is good. And people are going to do things that they value. And whether you, you know, the role of of a regulator should not be to have an opinion on whether a particular thing has value or not, is whether just to make sure that if people are going to show up, that it's an equal, fair playing ground, you know, with access to information. And And, and that I think is something that sometimes is lost in so many people where, you know, government is, is there to police, but not to having to tell people what their preferences should be or should not be. Everyone at the end of the day is, it's a free society. Like people have independence to do whatever they want with their money. If they want to send it to Eth, well, you know, just, just at least make sure that you understand why you're sending it and what you're going to get out of it.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Some of those seems to be a pretty big disconnect in some of this where like, you know, like in traditional markets, getting like data or like any of this information can be like pretty hard to like come by. And crypto is like the most like open, you can get like data from any exchange super Absolutely. easily. And I don't know, it just seems like, it seems like one of the most free, not like it's perfect, but like it's pretty open and accessible to just about anyone.
2: Yeah. 100 percent
0: whether like you know you're trading like um like a jpeg with like a a cat on it like that's fine like go for it there's nothing wrong with that to me absolutely i mean and i kind of think like speculation drives like innovation to where like you need you need people speculating you need like people experimenting or else like what I don't know. How do you know if anything's like usable or like an actual product that could be without like people speculating?
2: Was true for the internet and has been true for pretty much every major breakthrough tech out there. And so I think we're in this, just gotta remind ourselves of that and allow for that creativity to flow. And you know, as you said, the most important thing is reminding ourselves of the core elements here, which is it's a more transparent, equal playing ground. And that is the most important thing. Yeah, you know, how can we do how there are things that certainly we can do? On the regulatory side, to make sure that that fairness and transparency holds true, right? But yeah, a lot like of that data is the,
0: Yeah, most is on chain. Um, some of the token unlocks and like actual token uh, metrics, not metrics, like tokenomics, have been. Um, I don't know there, there's a lot of room to improve there. Absolutely. That would definitely improve. Um, it seems yeah. to be getting a bit better, but um, like DeFi Llamas. The amount of data that DeFi Llamas put together is pretty like incredible.
2: Yeah. They now have a vesting tab, which, you know, is not perfect, but at least it's a great step to illustrate that. Right? Yeah. It's a good
0: start. Um, yeah. Eh, there's a big disconnect from like reality and like what these, like what people see.
2: Yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I mean, it's just so interesting to get into your brain as someone who, you know, I followed on Twitter, but just getting to know the person behind the the profile, as we think about wrapping this up, uh, I just want to ask it like one or two questions. One, like, um, how optimistic are you relative to like six months ago, relative to last cycle? Like if you were to, on a scale one to 10, how do you, where do you stand right now in terms of the state of the industry and how excited you are about it?
0: I think it comes in waves where like things will be super interesting like this year where like, there'll be some new like thing to do on chain and then it just stops all of a sudden. Um, But I don't know. It's um, in like 2018, 2019 people are always like clamoring for like an alt season, but like, I feel like we'd never, the alt season like never really stopped since like um, DeFi summer. It was just really crazy because like some of my friends made more money this year than like almost in like 2021 from just like, you know, like the meme coins or like certain things they've done on chain, which is just like really crazy because like you see everyone on Twitter of like it's over, there's nothing going on. And it just seems like there's always been a very big disconnect from like people uh, just trading on exchanges versus like actually going out and using the stuff to like experience what's actually going on. So for like my level of like, I don't know. I try not to hold to like have like a strong opinion here. It just kind of seems like whatever I think it continues. Um, But I think we've seen like the low, I just don't know what other than like finance getting absolutely like frozen website shut down, what could actually like send us -hmm. back to those lows. So I'm kind of just like neutral of like, there'll be like certain narratives, certain new things that pop up, but It's not like (laughs) go all in, lever up, and we're going to the moon. Uh, Just kind of have to like wait and see.
2: What was that thing? Pumped (laughs) it? Yeah, not that. Never
0: that. Just uh, yeah,
2: balanced. Survive. Go use products
0: and uh, go airdrop farm and uh, see. Like, um, I also think like a lot of exchanges probably won't be listing tokens for like as heavily as they did in the past. So we'll have to see how that changes the market. And I don't know, maybe we go to like, everyone's on chain. It'll take a little bit, but um, because the products aren't as good, it's more expensive than trading on exchange. Um, It's more expensive. Uh, You can lose your money pretty easily. Um, But I think most of the opportunity will be in like on chain stuff of, any it could be any I have no idea what it could be tomorrow, you know. Because I didn't really see like the peppy stuff. Like I didn't see it going in a billion two billion dollars. It's like really insane. Until like it really started going and I was like, Oh well, I guess I missed that one.
2: Well, the one thing's for certain we're gonna by nature of how fast the space moves, you're gonna miss stuff. But thing is I think just consistency and being patient and just curious, I guess pays off
0: yeah curiosity and like never being afraid never like being afraid to go try something or like kicking yourself and like oh i missed that one i should have that one's always been like the worst mindset because there's always something else that can come it's okay to miss things it's okay to like not catch everything but you just have to paying attention and like don't give up is like how you can like do well i, I think
2: sage advice uh, Iceberg, thanks so much for coming on It was a pleasure getting to know you And I think our listeners will appreciate that as well So great discussion, really enjoyed it And thanks again for, for taking the time
1: Thank yeah. you, Bergie Thanks for having me it.